morning, everybody. Morning. Hello. Um, I don't know about you. I hope you've had a great week. Um, the run-up for Christmas certainly feels like it's upon us, doesn't it? Anybody excited about that? Who's got the tree up already? Anybody in here? No? Good. No one I need to pray for? That's good. Anybody got the Christmas shopping all done? No? Oh, one person. Well done. That person at the back. Could you come and see me after the meeting? I could do with some help. Is <laughs> that okay? Um, man, uh, Christmas is upon us. It's an exciting time. Actually, we start our new sermon series next week. It's a five-week series. It's called The Name, and it's all about the run-up uh, to Christmas. Uh, we're going to be uh, basing that on Isaiah 9, chapter 9, verse 6, um, which is for unto, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Anybody singing this in the head right now? And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So we're going to be focused on that for five weeks <clears throat> in the Rump's Christmas with the kind of ultimate. Uh, the conclusion of that series being 19th of December, which is our Christmas at King's uh, service. So I really hope you're looking forward to it. And, and that's not to mention, you know, all the other Christmas stuff that's going on, the ladies' night, the Christmas fair, the Christmas party that's going to be for the kids, actually, in the run-up to Christmas. That's new news. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic celebration. There's other things in there as well that don't... Um, but I can't list everything that's going on, but it's going to be a fantastic run-up to Christmas, isn't it? Um, I would encourage you as well just to bear the food bank in mind. Uh, just pray for them in this coming season. This is always their busiest time of the year. They work tirelessly and they get unbelievable amount of donations on a normal week to sort through. In the run-up to Christmas and through Christmas, they do an incredible amount of work. Um, so please pray for them, pray for volunteers, pray for the team. Um, but yeah, so okay, so that's, that's what's coming up. But this morning, we're wrapping up the Gospel of Luke. This is our last morning in it for some time. It's been a whirlwind tour, hasn't it? Um, and I hope that you felt God's been speaking to you through it. Um, Luke actually wrote two parts of his, of his testimony about what was going on. There's the Gospel of Luke. And then the second part is the Acts. The, the Acts of, of the Apostles is maybe a better title. Um, and we're going to be kind of going into a five-week sermon series and taking a little bit of a break from Luke, but we're actually jumping back into his writing. In the new year, we're going to be looking at Acts and the, and the birth and the rise of the church. I'm really excited about that. Um, I hope you are too. Um, so we're going to be jumping back into Luke. So it's not goodbye to Luke this morning. It's just, I'll see you in, after Christmas, all right? Um, so we're wrapping up this morning. So if you've got your Bibles with you, turn to uh, Luke 24. Verses 13 to 15, Luke 24, verses 13 to, uh, sorry, 13 to 35 is where we're going. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, there's some on the resource table. Take, take some home with you. Uh, take one home with you. It's a gift to you. You can go and grab one now if you'd like to look uh, in a Bible whilst you're in the meeting. Uh, but it is on the screen. Now, granted, this is a little bit small. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of a two-in-one thing. This it's the Word of God, but an eye test as well. Um, um, but uh, we will make it a bit bigger next time. I'm sorry about that. Um, but just stick with us. We're trying to cram everything on there with the Spanish and the English. So. Okay, right. Uh, but we're going to pray real quick. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this morning that we're able to celebrate what a great king you are, how amazing you are, God. Your love for us is never-ending. 
And Lord, as we open up your word this morning and we read about your disciples having an encounter with you, I pray that that would be true of us this morning, Lord, that we would encounter the risen King this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said? Okay. This is now, <clears throat> that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. Okay, so the same day, just backtrack in a touch. If you've got your Bibles in front of you, it's easier. But this is the day that the ladies have been to the tomb and Jesus wasn't there. Okay, so it's that same day. Just That's important we pick up on that. Um, to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking uh, with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. You're supposed to giggle at that bit, by the way. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, there's more, <laughs> they're telling the man. Some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen vision of, a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, you, how foolish you are. Um, how slow you are to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And, at the be and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. <clears throat> as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, it is true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told them what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he brought the bread. Okay, so there's a lot in that story, isn't there? We're going to unpack it as we go along, but... I want to start this morning by telling you two things that may mean that you uh, respect me less. <laughs> um, the first thing is to tell you that um, around 2007, 2008, I was in a Christian rock band. That's the first thing um, that may, may make you respect me less. And, um, and it was a band called Good Question. And, uh, and we did quite a lot of 
great things, great gigs, things like that. And one of the things that we were asked to do was go to Newcastle City Hall um, for an event called Ninth Hour. Uh, some of you may re- anybody remember Ninth Hour? Yeah, yeah, oh, a couple of you, that's good. Um, and uh, Ninth Hour was just brilliant. It was at City Hall, Newcastle, and there used to be hundreds and hundreds of young people from around the region. Um, and we used to just come together for this big event. It was fantastic. And we were asked as a band if we would do a few songs at the beginning of the, of, of the, the event, uh, just do like a small little set. And then after that, we kind of had to get all of our gear off stage because the kind of house band, Why Friday, it's a blast from the past, Why Friday were going to come on and they were kind of the house band to lead the worship, lead the meeting. And uh, so we did this set of a few songs. Obviously, we were brilliant. Um, but then we, we had to then get everything off the stage as quick as we could. So we had, you know, drums, we had, you know, mics, we had... Uh, guitar, you know, our guitars, our amps, our pedals, everything, and all had to be off super quick. So there was, there was the band ourselves, we were trying to get it all off, and there was just one set of stairs on the side of the stage, and they were kind of small, but we had to get it all off in a hurry because the event was going on. People were on the stage again, like, announcing things. So we were going as fast as we could, carrying big bass drums and everything, and there was this one guy on the side of the stage, like, on the steps, these small steps, and he was just stood there on the steps. And like m- me, the band, and there's like a few other people helping us, just trying to do it as quick as we could. And this guy just didn't move. We had to like scoot around him. It was just really irritating, actually. And I, was, and I remember thinking in that moment, oh, cheers, buddy. Thanks for your help. You know, like literally you're in the way, one. Two, you could just actually come and grab something, right? Um, the second thing that might make you respect me less is when I was growing up, I was actually a Newcastle fan. I still kind of am, loosely, um, but a Newcastle United fan. And they had a striker at the time called Shola Amiobi. Anybody remember Shola Amiobi? Um, Now, for me, young teenage lad, Shola Amiobi was brilliant. One, he was a striker in the Premier League. Does it get any cooler than that? Two, he played for Newcastle, God's club. Uh, And three... Um, he was a Christian. Like, I knew he was a believer. His family were believers. They went to a church in Newcastle. I thought, oh, this is the best. Like, surely, 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 right? He was brilliant. And uh, anyway, so we're taking all this stuff off the stage and, uh, and, like, and, you know, trying to get it done as quick as we can. And we finally kind of get the last couple of bits. And the guy on the stage who's announcing uh, everything, and he goes, okay, well, you're welcome to the stage. Surely, I'm Yobi. And I'm like... Shola Ramiobi's here. This is a, and the guy stood on the steps, kind of walks onto the stage, and I'm like, that was Shola Ramiobi. <laughs> and like, literally, in that moment, I thought, oh no. Like, the questions I would have asked him, I would have, you couldn't get selfies in those days, right? Phones didn't work like that. But like, I would have got him to sign my guitar or something. Um, and, but I missed it. I completely missed that it was him. And I'm sure that you have stories too where if you knew who that person was who you were talking to, or if only you'd known you'd walk past that person, or if you knew who they were related to, you'd have so many questions for them, or you'd you'd want to talk to them about something. But I didn't. I missed it. I didn't realize it was him. And that's what's happening with these disciples. They completely missed who they were in the presence of. And they would have had such a different conversation, I would imagine. But I want, I want you to just stop for a second and imagine the week that Jesus' disciples 
had had. They'd had an incredible week. Just a week ago, just over a week ago, um, the followers of the Messiah, the followers of Jesus, they'd, they'd welcomed the king, <laughs> the king, into Jerusalem. They'd covered his path with their, with their cloaks and with cut palm branches, right? We remember this bit. And they cheered and they praised God. And they shouted, save us, save us. They knew who he was. Can you imagine the experience for his followers, the, the momentum building, the excitement of what was happening in that moment as the king, the, the, the Messiah who was prophesied, entered Zion, God's holy city, as, they, as he entered Jerusalem. Can you imagine the excitement in that moment? And a substantial number of people had joined Jesus on his march from Galilee to Jerusalem, and they were fully expecting him to redeem Israel in that moment. This was an exciting moment. They heard the promises of the prophets about how this true king would come and he would bring righteousness and prosperity and freedom and power. And they thought that he would do that. How would he do that? Well, he would throw off Roman tyranny. He'd kind of kick him up the backside out of Jerusalem, right? That's what he's going to do first. Then he would hand the temple back into godly hands, he would restore God's law above Israel, and finally he would establish Israel as the light of the world. All these prophecies were going to happen in this moment. Jesus was that Messiah. That's who he was. And he had promised his followers as well. Remember, he promised his followers, followers abundant life, life to the full. However, not long after that moment, Clouds gathered above Jerusalem, and Jesus hung there, the Savior, the Messiah, the King, lifeless and cold on a Roman cross. Jesus was that Messiah, and, and the people who had killed him, the Sanhedrin, made up the high priests and, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, what, what was going on with them? Well, they just got back on with their life. They were just going to move, move on. They, they dealt with the problem. They got back to their business. The market in the, t- in the temple was back up and running. Politics resumed. Daily trade resumed. Everything was business as usual for them. But not for the followers of Jesus. They were the 12 who had been scattered the night of his arrest. Um, now they'd kind of returned to some sort of, to being together. And they were gathered with other people. And, and they, but they were left lost and confused. And like I said last week, Gav Rogers was here from Teesside, did a great job, didn't he? But he talked about the significance of the resurrection and what that means for us. And jumping back into that story, the ladies had been to the tomb that morning and they were met by these, by these angels who said, why, why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus had been raised from the dead. It was this incredible moment. And you can, so you can imagine these two disciples who were walking from Jerusalem, who, would, who, who were on their way, you can imagine them in this moment, what's going through their mind. Just what a week they had had. An inc- incredibly crazy week. Now, Luke doesn't mention who they both are, but we find out that one of them is called Cleopas. Um, we know he's not one of the 12, but theologians kind of surmise that he's probably one of the 72 that we read about in Luke chapter 10. So you can have a look at that. But, you know, you can imagine 
they'd likely followed Jesus into Jerusalem, followed the crowd, shouting, Hosanna, here we go, here's the Messiah entering God's holy city. And what are they doing? They've decided that now Jesus has died and they're going to head back to Emmaus. We don't know exactly where it is, but it's about seven miles from Jerusalem. And what are they doing? They're talking. And the word used to describe it here in the Greek, which I'm not going to attempt, some of them I just will not attempt in the, in the Greek, is, is it, it's a verb which t- talks about them actively kind of chewing the fat, as we would say. Like they're, they're literally trying to digest what's happened. And we all do this. I think everybody in this room does this. You know, when something in your life happens that's either incredibly big emotionally, whether it's bad or good, whether it's the most exciting thing that's ever happened to you, or whether it's like a really bad thing, it's like anger-fueled conversation. And have you noticed that we kind of go over the same conversation again and again and again? Does anybody else do that? Or is it just me that drives Jenny mad with it? But we kind of have to process it again and again, right? And we keep talking about it. It's the same conversation, but we just do it again because they're trying to find a reason why everything that has happened in the last week has happened. How did this happen? Why did this happen? If we did this differently, would it have changed things? And they're just talking it all through. And when all of a sudden, a man comes alongside them, and by the way, you have, you have the hindsight here, right? Imagine those guys, poor guys. They didn't realize who it was. But you have the hindsight here, which is why you're okay. it's okay to giggle at them because you know who it is. And he asks this polite question of, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Now, like I said, this is supposed to make you laugh because they respond by saying, like, are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened? Like, are you the only one who doesn't understand? That's funny because Jesus is the only one who truly knows what's happened in the last week. But clearly, they understand what Jesus was about. They describe and summarize his his ministry really accurately. They tell him about everything that Jesus was. But what they clearly failed to understand was Jesus' ultimate mission, what he was there to do, what he was going to accomplish. They failed to understand that. and Because from their understanding and perspective, he had the mission of redeeming Israel and it included the expectation that Jesus would be the typical earthly king that they were expecting. You know, the expectations about what that would look like socially for them, or politically, economically, what that was going to look like for Jerusalem, what that was going to look like for the nation of Israel. And that, all their expectations had failed to materialize that week. And I just want to point something out here. And if you remember nothing else from this morning, please just remember this. (laughs) Because this is where the disciples had gone wrong. You see, hope, it's like looking through a window. And you see, human eyes are incredible. When you look through a window, you can focus on one or two things. You can look at what is reflected in the window and see what's behind you. Or you can look right through it and see what's in front of you. Have you ever noticed that? Or a a picture, you know, with a glass frame. You can look at the picture and you can completely miss the picture because you can only see the reflection of the lights behind you, the things that are behind you. And this is what happened to the disciples. 
they had a faulty perspective that prevented them from seeing what stood right in front of them. Their their perspective was completely on the reflection of everything that had just happened in the past. And Jesus' challenge, once he met the disciples on the road, was really clear all of a sudden. The, The challenge was he needed to adjust the disciples' perspective to help them to see him. Stood right in front of them. I mean, it sounds stupid, but he needed to help them to see him right in front of them. And how does he do that? Well, he reviews the Hebrew scriptures with them. And and starting at the beginning, he works all his way through the prophets. And he explains the need for what has happened to have happened. (laughs) And for him to become the suffering servant. And you know, uh, how the suffering servant, he didn't just raise from the dead to be a king, right? Like he wasn't ever called to just be a king as they knew a king. He was called to be the king. And I believe that this still happens today with us. You know, you, you walk through your life, whether you, you're, you're at school, still studying, or whether you're at work every day, whether, whether you, you know, it's, it's in your relationships, whether it's in your home, whether it's just being part of a church, and then something happens in your life that you didn't expect didn't want and it's like your life it gets brought to the ground and in these moments it's so easy for us to change our perspective on what we're looking at to change our focus and like I said looking through the glass it's like our, our, our focus can change from what's through <laughs> to what's behind and actually what, what happens then in our lives is our focus is completely on what's ha- happened and that determines everything from then on out. And we can miss what is right in front of us. Are you following me here? And in these moments as well when our lives, they don't seem to work out the way that they were going to work out. The disciples, they had a plan that week for what was going to happen of what Jesus was going to do. And, he, and it didn't happen. And they couldn't figure it out. And they were talking it through and they were trying to over-examine it and try and work it out. What has gone wrong? Why did it go wrong? Why is this all falling apart? And you see, everything for them in that moment was focused on what was behind them. And in that moment, Jesus never felt so far from them. He's dead. He's gone. Our dreams have gone. Our hopes are gone. And yet, he was stood right in front of them. And for us too, this is true. In those moments when our lives seem to crumble or a bump in the road and, and our perspective completely changes, our focus changes on what's just happened, what just hurt, what tore us down, what tore us apart. Everything changes. Our, our perspective has gone onto that rather than what we're supposed to be headed towards. And it holds us back and it stops us from seeing everything clearly. And Jesus' challenge was to make them see that he was with them. He'd never been closer to them. And everything that had happened needed to happen. And maybe this is you this morning. Perhaps you've walked in feeling like your life is just falling apart 
Like that thing that happened back there. So painful, so hurtful, so discouraging, so out of your plan. This isn't the way it was supposed to be, God. This hurts too much. I don't like this version. That actually your, your focus is completely on that and not what Jesus in front of you, where he's leading you, where he's taking you. And maybe, you know, you're not feeling hurt, but Jesus just feels distant. Man, I can't remember the last time I felt close. <laughs> maybe that was you this morning walking through the door. I don't feel you, Jesus. I don't sense you with me. Let me tell you, first of all, that's a lie. He's close to you, closer than a brother. He walks with you. He wants to talk with you. But what is your focus on? What is your focus on this morning? The reflection of things behind you, other things? Or is it on Jesus, who is right in front of you? If that's you this morning, if you feel a sense of, man, like I know my focus constantly changes to what happened. I know my focus constantly turns from Jesus right in front of me to what's behind me. Or maybe that my focus is drawn elsewhere, not even to hurtful things, but just things that I wanted to be a certain way. I want to go a certain way. I'm chasing them to be the way that I wanted them to be, the way that I desire them to be. Let me encourage you this morning to fix your eyes upon Jesus. Focus on him. Let me give you two things to finish up with. Paul's going to come back up and just, we're going to finish with just a bit of, um, bit of response this morning. But the first thing I would say is to choose to stop viewing your life through your eyes and instead through his. Now, <laughs> this isn't easy to us because it's not natural <laughs> to us. And we certainly can't do it on our own. The disciples that day, they couldn't adjust the focus on their own. They needed Jesus alongside them to help them. And the disciples, when they allowed Jesus to, to walk alongside them, to teach them, to show them everything that had happened through his eyes rather than their own, their own perspective, everything changed. Everything changed for them. And this morning, we need to be a people that allow God to actually elevate our vantage point to his, to see things how he sees them in our lives, to see people how he sees them, to see relationships how he sees them, to see what's good for us how he sees it, to see our careers how he sees them, to see how we handle our finances how he sees it. And I would encourage you, the way to start with that is, is with prayer and with the word of God. How did Jesus do that? He did it by walking them through the word of God. You know, sometimes, you know, I can have things going on in my life where I feel like my, my focus is off. It's on things that have happened or what's just going on there. Why did that person say that? Why were they hurtful? Why did that relationship not work out the way that I wished it had? Why did that conversation not go the way I wanted it to? And my focus is off. And actually, I then read the Word of God, and even if the Word of God, what I'm reading, has nothing to do with what's just happened, actually, my, my focus changes. Something inside of me shifts. 
And I have much more of a vertical perspective. I actually turn to God a lot more. The word of God is powerful and alive, and it will change your life. The second thing which I think the disciples had to do that we have to do is to surrender your expectations. The disciples were very much set on that week working the way that they thought it should go. The universe being the way that they thought it should be. In our lives, things will happen that will knock you sideways, that will hurt you and cut you deep. You won't get the job that you wished you got. That relationship won't work out the way you wished it would. And actually, in that moment, we have to choose to say, Lord, not my will, but yours. Help me to see what you're seeing here that I'm not seeing. Surrender to him. Surrender your expectations. And when we do that, when the disciples did that, when they allowed Jesus to teach them different expectations, man, everything becomes more clear in that moment. And when we're open to Jesus teaching us that he's got a different way, and we might not always understand it, but we understand that he's good and he has the best for us, when we surrender our grip on what we want and we say, Lord, not my will but yours, here you go, here's my life. Actually, what we realize is in return, we get so much more than we could have ever wished for or asked for. The, the disciples didn't just get a king, they got the king. And Jesus wants to do so much more with your life than you could ever imagine, but we have to be surrendering. So this morning, we're just gonna sing together. Um, but as we do this, I invite you to stand. I invite you all to stand. Is this on? Just making sure this is on. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. On that day, the disciples met with the risen Jesus. Man, were our hearts not burning as he spoke to us? Did we not feel his presence? We've met with the risen king, not just a king, the king, not just the king that I made up in my mind, in my heart, but the king, the ruler of the universe, the Lord God Almighty, the one who sits at the right hand of the Father. And as we turn our eyes upon him, the things on earth grow strangely dim because we're met with glory and grace. So this morning, I want to ask you to submit to him, <laughs> to give him your expectations and say, Lord, if, if there's something in my past, if there's something that's happened, if there's something that's going on that's turned my focus from you to that, then I want to surrender to you. And I ask you, Lord, change my viewpoint, change my focus, put my eyes back on you, Lord. 
Jesus' mighty name.